if you were to look down the wine list on a special occasion and pick the most expensive one, and when it comes, it's fantastic. You can taste the complexity. It feels somehow silkier than other wines. Clearly, you've made the right choice. Or do you just believe it tastes better because of the price tag? So many aspects of my life are being called into question right now. We need a professor of cognitive neuroscience to sort this out. Joel Pearson is one and also director of the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. And he's been looking into the powerful effect that placebos can have on us. They're surprisingly common. Joel, welcome to Life Matters. Morning, Hilary. We often think of placebos in a medical context, but outside clinical settings, what are some of the ways our minds can be tricked into believing something will work better? Oh, this, I mean, the list is almost endless. It goes on and on. But I mean, some of my favourite examples might be um, things we do every day. So painkillers. I mean, a little bit medical, but um, we know that painkillers, uh, if they're coloured, they can make a difference. We know that if we pay more for them, people say they're much more effective. And indeed, um, Nurofen got into trouble, I think, back in 2015. Um, they had a, a number of different products, uh, you know, pitched at a migraine, period pain, sore back, and they were all the same ingredient. And they were more expensive as well. And they got in trouble for this. They got fined uh, many millions of dollars. But it turns out that charging more and labeling them as being specific actually makes them more effective. And that's the power of the placebo effect. So did Nurofen say, hey, it's actually working? Can we I think they tried to back? argue, but that, that meant they couldn't, right? Because the, the ingredients were the same. And they, the public uh, largely saw that and, and the, the authorities as, you know, false marketing, which coming from the point of view of psychology is kind of frustrating because there's great data to show that if you pay more, for a painkiller. If you pay more for wine, like you said, if you pay more for an energy drink, you enjoy these things, they give you more energy or they take away more pain more quickly. And so you kind of want to pay more, even if it is the same ingredient, right? Yes. Is it a victimless crime? This is a fascinating <laughs> philosophical question that's emerged. So do we know what's going on in our brains when, when we're having a placebo? How does it work? Yeah, a few things. So let's, let, before we get into the details, let's just first say what it is so that people are really clear. So a placebo is an effect from something typically thought as inert, right? A sugar pill, a salt pill, uh, and that could be a pill, an injection. It could be a, something, a procedure with a machine, a brain scan. Um, so the more apparatus around it, like uh, the, an injection is more powerful than a pill, um, a machine's brain scan will be more powerful than an injection. Um, and so typically the procedure or the substance would be inert, but we still see an effect from these things. And so the ritual and, part of it is important too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. But also I just want to be clear, we're not talking about, you know, fixing a broken arm, curing cancer, these kinds of things. It's more the kind of things which have a sort of subjective side to it. So that might be hunger or pain relief or depression, um, energy, these kinds of things are really where the placebo shines. We're speaking with Joel Pearson, who's a professor of cognitive neuroscience, talking about the incredible power of placebos. Could that be harnessed for our good? So uh, under the right circumstances, can a placebo be as effective as traditional treatments for certain conditions, Joel? I mean, depends what the traditional treatments would be. I would phrase it slightly differently. I would say that whatever your treatment is, it's going to be a, an active substance, a drug perhaps, or a procedure, plus a placebo. 
So you then you could compare that to just the placebo by itself. So when you're taking any drug or doing anything, right, the placebo is always going to be there. It's not going away unless, you know, someone's sneaking that medication into your, you know, into your diet without you knowing it. So it's better to think about the placebo happening all the time on how much of the effect, you know, is placebo and how much of it is an active drug. Is it 20%, 80% or, you know, and that'll, that will differ depending on the beliefs on the like the the procedure the the habit around it and all kinds of other behavioral things and i mean we should be clear too that we when we look at the science we're not talking about uh changes in people's cancer status or something really serious like that are we what does the no, placebo not, effect yeah. work on so it works yeah with with sleep is a really big one so we know that um I think it's blue pills are better for sleeping pills. <laughs> Red pills don't work that well, but the so the color of your sleeping medication makes a noticeable significant difference. So sleep, pain, like I said we've talked about that a little bit is a big one. Um, hunger is a is 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 a, is a big one as well. So there's this really interesting studies where people uh, were given the same milkshake and one group is told this is a high calorie, full of fat, full of nutrient milkshake. Um, you know, it'll probably make you feel full. And the other one said, oh, this is a diet milkshake with, you know, barely any calories, exact same milkshake. And we see in the group told that it's a, you know, high nutrient, high calorie milkshake. Um, they Not only do they feel full, they feel less hungry for a while afterwards. We actually see the change in the ghrelin, this sort of hunger hormone in their, in their bodies changing quite rapidly as well. So it sort of just that belief, what they're told induces a whole physiological change inside the body. Scientists are so sneaky at times. <laughs> really <laughs> I mean, interesting. I mean, that's, yeah, with the placebo, I mean, I've, I've been fascinated with this for years, right? Because, you know, it really shows us the power of belief, right? And if we could just find a way to, you know, click our fingers and believe something, like to, then, you know, we, we could harness this placebo ourselves. Unfortunately, most of us can't control belief. Uh, you know, it's not a voluntary thing we can just switch on magically. So we need, you know, the 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 sugar pill. We need the procedure. We need the habit, whatever the thing is, to induce these states in us. But if you can sort of harness this in some way, you know, as an entrepreneur almost, then you could have, could you know open up a whole avenue of of treatment of you know improving life for people. That is very hard to get at at the moment. Well, on that, you could argue that homeopathy already offers that. What What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yes, yeah. So exactly. So most, uh, you know, most scientists would say that homeopathy, the what is it, the the memory effect in the water is not a real thing. The the amount of active substance in the water is so minuscule that it's really not doing anything. The effects are around belief, and so absolutely, the placebo effect is going to be there. Like I said before, it's always there. Um, it's really a matter of how combining the placebo with something else um, uh, works. So, so in the case of homeopathy then, Joel, is it then about saying, look, so homeopathy is not a problem, even if it doesn't work, uh, according to science, if we regulate the marketing of those products and services so that it's clear that there's no scientific backing for their effectiveness, but if it makes you feel better, then go for it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 icky, it's sticky moral ground, right? So it's 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 almost like you've got to get someone to sign something and saying, "Yes, I give you permission to trick me," because I know the more you can trick me, the more effective these things are going to be. 
but then it's sort of unethical to trick someone without getting their permission. And so, because the more you could market it, the more you know effective it's going to be. So it's a it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky sort of tightrope to walk there, I think. Yeah, and I imagine once you'd signed the contract, you'd be like, hang on a minute. <laughs> this is not having the effect. That I, but here's, I mean, here's the interesting thing. There's, some, there's these things called open label trials, and that's where we're told that it is a placebo. And we still see some of the benefits. They're not as big, but they're still there. So get that, you know, even if we know it's a placebo, we can still get the effects from it, is that which is pretty wild. It's crazy, yeah. Is, is it because someone in a white coat is giving it to you in a, in a clinical <laughs> setting? What's going on? Part of that, yeah. But yeah, even when you know it's a sugar pill, you still get some benefit from it. So wow. I, I think there's a there's a lot of room here to play with belief, to play with products and services that can figure out a way to solve the ethical moral dilemmas around this and improve people's lives. Next time I have a headache, I'm going to get someone to come to my house with sugar in a pill form, <laughs> in a white coat, and give it to me. That's that's going to fix it. Yeah, and the, the, the more authority, the more of the procedure, the more of the build-up, the better the effects. Excellent. An actor then in a white coat. Uh, Joel <laughs> Pearson is a professor of cognitive neuroscience and also director of the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. And we're learning some fascinating things about how placebos work today. There's also the nocebo effect, isn't there, Joel? The kind of Yeah. That sounds like the dark side. What goes on there? It is a dark side. So nocebo refers to ne- like a negative version of a placebo. Where these most commonly come up. So we've talked about Mostly people have heard of placebo effects in drug trials. So when you do a drug trial or whenever you take a drug, you get given the potential side effects. And sometimes there's a long list of, you know, headaches and nausea and itchy legs and this and that. And so it turns out in these trials, when people are taking the sugar pill, they still report these negative side effects. And that's the nocebo effect. So simply by reading these things, starting to expect it, you're way more likely to have is negative side effects or nocebo effects. Wow. Uh, text has popped in, Joel. I've been wondering about yeah. this topic for a while. Is Every time I get the oil changed in my car, it seems to go better. I've been wondering, is it my <laughs> brain or does it really go better? I guess that's no, where you need science. This is a great one, right? So one of the sayings is, you know, if you the cheapest way to feel like you've got a new car is to get a service or even just get it cleaned and vacuumed. And people will go, huh. My car's quieter, it's running more smoothly, I'm more confident with it. They start to, and, and, and I fall for it too. I know it's a, it's not a real thing. I wash my car, vacuum it, and I feel like I've got a better car. It's like magic. Yeah. You also feel like more like an adult, which is fun for a moment. Uh, Chris texts in, I suffered from insomnia for many years and I always wished my doctor could secretly give me a placebo sleeping pill rather than the addictive real thing. But of course she couldn't mm. because a chemist wouldn't be able to sell a fake product. I guess, Joel, that, that leads us to the question of can we kind of manufacture that reassuring effect of the placebo in our own lives without getting into the shaky moral territory? Look, I think we can, and we can call that self-placebing. And we can think of that as a range of things from the food we eat, the exercise we do. Exercise is more effective when we have strong beliefs about it, so there's data for that as well. Um, But a great example of this is things like confidence. Um, So most of us can't just go, oh, I'm going to switch on my confidence now and, and be super confident, right? But if you think about it, when you're going out, right, you dress up, you have a shower, you dress up, you do fix your hair, you do, you get ready. 
And those procedures are kind of like a placebo effect, a self-placebing. We're finding ways to build our confidence. So when we go out, we're more confident. And you can think of all the different things in your life you do, right? And maybe dressing you up does make you look better, but it's also a way of boosting confidence. And so I think it's useful to sort of think about procedures and habits we have in our lives um, that can boost the things, whether it be confidence or something else, happiness, relaxation, um, and they might be placebo effect or largely that, and that's that's fine. It's not a negative. It's a good thing. So I guess in the car example, if we take ourselves to the doctor for preventive health checkups, <laughs> we might start feeling healthier anyway because we've taken part in that ritual of health. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Excellent. And so, yeah, all these things are going to bring placebo effects. Yeah. And they're, and they're great. They're fantastic. Sometimes I worry that they have a negative connotation because they're referred to, you know, as a failure case in a drug trial. Oh, it's the only a placebo effect. The drug didn't work. But no, it's a really, it's a positive thing. They're amazingly strong um, and we should think about it. We should try and take advantage of them and use them to improve our lives. Well, I was going to say, just to finish up with Joel, do we need to rethink how we do clinical trials if we're saying this drug doesn't work because it did, it had, you know, only a slightly greater effect than the placebo? Or do we say it's still working? It's just that placebos are very powerful. Uh, I think we probably don't need to change the way we're doing them, but I think we can change the way we interpret the findings. So, like I think we almost where I started was that the you know the 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 active substance is the effect of the active substance plus the placebo effect, and it's useful to think that way because some drugs may interact with the placebo in in ways that other drugs don't, and so it's not useful to think of it as just the active drug or procedure by itself because it's always going to have a placebo there unless you know you don't know what's happening. Um, and so it's that interaction there. How can we find ways to boost the effect of the placebo and boost the effect of the active substance uh, with an interaction between the two? Fascinating. I finish up here with a text, Joel, from Nigel in Queen yeah. I just think maybe I'll patent the the name placebo fen because <laughs> neurofen haven't. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a little <laughs> entrepreneurship there. Joel, it's been just fascinating learning more about this with you today. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure, Hilary. Thanks a lot. Joel Pearson is a professor of cognitive neuroscience and director of the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. Self-placebbing. It's quite safe. You won't go blind. Try it. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.